the award-winning seven-seat Kia Sorento. Kia, official partner of the FIFA Women's World Cup 2023. Australian-owned and supporting communities, the arts and you. Join Lumo Energy today for a brighter essay. This is Sports Day. And a very good evening to Daniel Menzel and David Wildey Sports Day. SA for Polaris, Malcolm Blight back next week. Australia's number one selling side-by-side brand. That's Polaris. The MY23 plate clearance is on now. Save up to three grand on selected models as a welcome. Dan Menzel. Hi, Dan. How are you? I'm going well, Wilds. It's, uh, this, again, we come in here every day and there's more news. There's some interesting news around the power and what's going through the camp there. But, um, yeah, looking forward to getting into tonight's show. Spoke to Daniel Norton today. We've got Daniel on tomorrow. He's the media manager, the guru out there. Good lad, too. He said it's just swept through Port Adelaide, this illness. Mm. Uh, a couple had gastro, but it's mainly a fluey type. People are forced to train with a sample, forced to train on their own. Not really the ideal preparation when you've got a game against the Giants, so we know you know they're going to be a stumbling block on Sunday. But hopefully the guys get you know get their act together in a couple of days and run out fit. Yeah, well, I guess you hear about players players get sick throughout the season, and when it's maybe two, three, four, it's not really going to impact the group. But um, look, Jason Horn, Francis, sure. Ryan Burton, Darcy Burn Jones, Francis Evan, and Dan Houston all missed training today. Whilst Jeremy Finlayson, Charlie Dixon, Miles Bergman, and Kane Farrell trained with the sample side last night. So yeah, get them sick, not the not the others. Yeah, <laughs> so that's um that's a bulk of your training group there, which is uh, it's going to be a real management thing for the power this weekend to make sure they've got a healthy list taking on the Giants. Heard David Kosh speaking to about uh, Ken Hinkley because they've always said August. So we'll we'll review it in August, and he said, well, it would be silly not to have made a decision before the finals. So it sounds like. Ken, and it sounds like it'll be reappointed um, in a couple of weeks, you'd think. But once again, um, I don't know. I suppose you can't reappoint someone after you get knocked out. As you say, you're normally tied up before that. But yep. it's more the Port Adelaide supporters. They, If Port fail again, they'll be saying, well, so what? You're appointing for another two years. We still haven't made a grand final. On the other hand, and I think Port Adelaide still have a side to certainly get to a grand final. Hopefully Lysette comes back. It's different, you know, you think, of course you'll appoint him if they make a grand final, but it just seems they've backed themselves into a bit of a corner to say August just before yep. the finals. Well, it's it's interesting. It's an awkward situation. They won 13 in a row. Now, how can you not sign the bloke after they've won 13 in a row? So that makes sense. And then, speaking of it being awkward, then they say August, so the start of August, they lose the showdown. They're not going to announce they've reappointed him after a showdown loss. Then they have the concussion saga at the club with a doctor. They're not going to mention they've reappointed him off the back of that. So it's just delayed things a little bit here. And unfortunately, what it's meant is they've now gone four losses in a row. So they're probably going, okay, well, let's get a win and then we'll announce this signing. Uh, what so if they go five in a row? I know that. And that's your point here as to how they've backed themselves into a bit of a corner. It is tough. But if they don't announce it before the final start, pressure and external noise starts to then pick up as well and people start to question okay maybe there isn't a contract there maybe they've changed their mind so it is a really interesting situation at Alberton at the moment with the signing of Ken Hinckley with the announcement but also the mystery illness going through the group. Port fans to appoint or reappoint or not reappoint one 736 Ken Hinckley there's a lot of Ken Hinckley fans out there but there's also a lot of naysayers and if I know for a fact if they don't make the grand final this year, he'll be the longest-serving coach uh, well over 200 games that hasn't made a grand final. But they've always been around the mark pretty well. It'll be his 
you know, fourth prelim in that time, and you think they get they certainly get there. Yeah, I, I mean, it's not easy to make a prelim final. It's uh, one team wins the premiership out of eighteen, and it's yeah. amazing that yeah. you, you get to a prelim and it's seen as a failure in a in a lot of clubs' cases. Um, now, in saying that, again, I'm bullish on the power moving forward, as I am on the Crows in the coming seasons. I still think the power are a little bit ahead of their time. Like, they're starting midfield of Horn Francis, Rosie, and Butters. They are very good, but they are going to be elite in the coming year. So, if it's not to happen this year, it's certainly there's certainly still plenty of time for the power. My big worry with Port is if they don't have Lysette. I don't think they can win a premiership without Scott Lysette. Now, he's had his uh, knee done, uh, trim. They could be up to a month there, so he hasn't played a lot of footy. They've got McKenzie out for four or five weeks, their best fullback. Uh, he's played there all year. And Charlie Dixon's the walking wounded. So, Port need all fit men. You can't limp into a final series and play guys that aren't fit. So, But I still think they can win their last three games. I'll need to uh, certainly up the ante and, and do a bit better than in the last month. But it's not all doom and gloom there. But I know there are a lot of Port fans that want change. And I ask you this, as Ken Hinckley, there's two ways to look at it. With with the group he's had in the last 10 years, has he fully squeezed that lemon? Has he done better than lot, Ken? Or... Do you reckon there could some coaches maybe could have got a bit more juice out of that lemon? No, I think he's done a pretty good job. I think that they had two poor performances in prelim finals. One was really poor, and one they just got pipped by the yeah. Tigers. So, look, if they play a little bit better in that game, it's not a discussion that we even have. So, and, um, and the Hawthorne game yes. back in 2013 or whenever it was. So it's one that, um, again, I mentioned a prelim final uh, has been seen as a failure, which doesn't seem right when uh, it is so hard to actually make the grand final. The, but the, hard, the hard, even your mob Geelong, um, Chris Scott, was just, you're, making, you're making the prelim every year and they're yep. saying, nah, he's got to go. A lot, of my, a lot of my former teammates had said that they'd played in four losing prelims in a row before they got that opportunity at the grand final, which they lost, and then they got into the grand and final won. and won it. So there's lessons to be learned there, and it just shows it's so difficult to actually get everything right to firstly make the grand final and then win it. I reckon if you make a prelim every year, you've got a job for life. Uh, <laughs> have your say. Let's go to Troy. He wants his say. Troy's a Port Adelaide man. Hi, Troy. Hello, David and Men's. How are we, boys? Good. Going well. Yeah, good. Hey, um, I might have a solution for the... If Scotty Lysette doesn't come up, what about Kyle Chalmers? <laughs> now, my thing with Kyle is... Uh, the way I see it, it'll be a free hit well, no, to him, but for Port Adelaide. But what would the process be to get him there? Would it be father-son, rookie-listed? And I dare say it wouldn't cost Port any, or, you know, it wouldn't cost him a million dollars, put it that way. Too late, Troy. He's It's gone way past him to come in at, what is he now, 25? Yeah, 25, I think he um, is. He, he may be a good footballer. You need to be better than a good footballer and have some play for the last... Seven or eight years. I mean, it's nice. It's a nice thought. It'd be very romantic if he could come and play for Port Adelaide. But I'd say, chance of that is one in a million. One in the million, Troy. Well, I'll take that. <laughs> Probably like, better than Cross Lotto. I like the optimism, but um, <laughs> no, it's it's one that's nah. uh, the league's too good nowadays for. 
that to happen. You've yeah. got to play your trade for a long time. It's almost like the Usain Bolt argument with the Central Coast Mariners, how the fastest man in the world, he can, he'll be able to play soccer, no worries. He'll be a striker, and he couldn't even make their second squad. So yeah. it is a challenging yeah. one to yeah. switch codes. Michael Jordan tried to play golf, become a pro golfer. Hey, just before you go, Troy, you'd like Ken Hinckley to go on? Of course. Yeah. Okay. Uh, another two years. Uh, my question, if Ken does, and I'll probably start with Malcolm, but I'd like your boy's opinion. Um, what's with, what would you advise Josh Carter to do? Stay at Port, like Malcolm said, because they're enough to come in. But if he goes to Richmond, well, he's basically starting from scratch again. Well, that's the only job that I think may become available is the Richmond job, and um, that's why I think Ken Hinckley... Would like to stay at Port, and uh, I think he will stay at Port Adelaide. But Josh might have to bide his time. I mean, some look at Adam. How how long was Adam Kingsley? Uh, yeah, Adam Kingsley uh, missed out on a number of jobs. I mean, if you're Josh Carr, you absolutely put your hat in the ring, and if you get that, that's a good job, the Richmond job. They have a great fan base, a great football department. But again, there is a number of young stars on that list that you can develop, and you'll get the draft picks as well. They they'll bounce back pretty quickly. So if you get the job, you absolutely take it. Thanks, uh, Troy. As always, uh, is a very good part of our show. I heard a former goalkeeper for the Matildas, uh, Melissa Barbiera, and she we heard I think it was um, our prime minister saying, you know, if we win, jokingly, let's give us a public holiday. Yep. She was scathing. She said, just give us money. Don't worry about a public holiday. She said um, they are on the bones. I think um, they get paid about $25,000 for 35 weeks, the girls training in the Matilda squad and playing in their own comps. She said it's so heavily underfunded. Now, look at Australia at the moment. We're all on the coattails. Typical, isn't it, when you get a World Cup? We did it yeah. with the, the Wallabies as well. They said they need more money, and um, and then I go, then I say to you, Dan, the the Diamonds who just won the the World Championship, nothing, got nothing for playing. I mean, they they have to do part time jobs. The best netballers in the, I suppose the AFLW, they're lucky. They they've got someone that can fund the big show and mm -hmm. and look at all the girls. It's filtering down the, um, I think. Was it you told me it's 380 teams or yeah, something? Yeah, the now? participation numbers are huge across Australia now of AFL women's football and, and junior girls as well. And that's why the funding is what it is in the AFLW from the AFL. But um, it is disappointing for the Matildas and for the Diamonds. My one is it should be your main competition that you're getting paid in, which is effectively your Suncorp Netball League. Your, if it's your Premier League over in England, that's where they should be earning their money. And you'd hope that there's top-ups that they can get from the Australian national team because there, there's so many sports, unfortunately, that go through this. The Olympic, uh, everyone who is an Olympian, other than the swimmers, oh, they'd be able to get, they've got to pay nothing. for themselves to actually get over there half nothing. the time. So it is really challenging. That's the world we live in. But look at cricket. Cricket 10 years ago, the women's cricket was, wasn't a spectacle. Now, it, that's really improved, oh, I mean. And comes, the girls can earn up to a million dollars a year. It comes back to the standards and, and the interest that there is around the world. And I love that you mentioned cricket because the women's ashes test that was on probably a month ago was enthralling watching. It was great to see the standards of the women's cricket is has improved so much that it is quality cricket. And it's why... Yeah, Ash Gardner's and Beth Mooney's and these girls are getting paid more than half a million dollars a year to be part of the IPL franchises because it is a very good standard and they are getting eyeballs on it. They are getting people watch the sport, which is at the end of the day what you need because that's where you sell it. That's where the marketing dollar will come in and that's where the money and revenue is. What's the average wage for an AFLW just to 
on average? Yeah, I would say the average is probably 60 or 70. Um, your bottom your bottom rung would wow. be 40. Wow. Um, but for, you, te- for 10 games? Yeah. Plus but, finals? Yeah, but your marquees are up a, around 100. So it's um, there is... I think the, the frustration is from other female... Um, players in other sports that, that, don't are, get that paid, are elite. Yes, that don't get paid anywhere near that sort of dollar. And again, it comes back to um, who is funding it, who is running it, but also the interest from people so that you can get the eyes on it and the marketing dollar on it. It's unbelievable. What, what's the average sample player? Yeah, <laughs> I'm not sure I should uh, actually. No, would that be on ten grand? Disclose this because it's pretty horrific. Worlds. It's um. No, the average sample player, I wouldn't even say, is getting ten grand a year, which is pretty. Is the salary cap's only three, three hundred or three fifty yeah, or something, isn't it? It's going up. I think fifteen grand next year, which is dismal to say the least. It's, so it's, the average wouldn't get, say, t- let's say, well, t- you've t- got fifty on the list. If it's three hundred eighty, um, what is that? That's less than ten. Well, it's it's less than five. That is. Um, I mean, a lot of your kids in your bottom ten or your bottom fifteen are just going to be on match payments. But yeah, you probably got five, six Man. grand is what a lot of the guys are getting, which is pretty poor as well. And, and they, they play what 18, 20 games a year plus finals yeah. plus train two or three times a three, week, three nights a week yeah, plus that's... probably weights as well. It's it is. It's unfortunately it's a reality in most sports uh, around the world. And again, it comes back to the marketing dollar and the eyeballs on it. See, we were paid more back in the eighties mm. than when you're talking ten thousand dollars back yeah. in the, you know what, thirty odd years ago. It's disappointing, and, it's, and you're going to lose players, and that's ultimately what will happen because you're not remunerated the right way. And um, why would you put yourself through it to get five or six thousand dollars a year when you can go play locally for fun and get the same amount? And that's probably why a lot of the young girls now are going to AFLW. They can see they're on TV, and they can see that's they can you make get a living. Cross code athletes, because that's where the revenue and financial dollar is going. Unbelievable. Yeah. Well, that's very very interesting. Our show. Thanks to Kia and Lumo. Kia, official partner of the FIFA Women's World Cup 2023. That's been outstanding so far, the Women's World Cup. And Lumo Energy SA switched to the affirmative. Join Lumo Energy today. We've got interesting chat coming up a bit later. Dan, uh, Jason Ackermanis, arguably the best uh, two-sided player I've seen, in, certainly in the small, small brigade. He can kick 50 on his left, kick 50 on his right, and doesn't lack any confidence. I was going to say, do you reckon he'll still back himself in? Oh, of course he would. 325 games, a triple premiership player. He's, he's a star, and I'm sure in Jason's mind, he still is a star. Back with more shortly. The award-winning seven-seat Kia Sorento. Kia, official partner of the FIFA Women's World Cup 2023. Australian-owned and supporting communities, the arts and you. Join Lumo Energy today for a brighter essay. Daniel Menzel and David Wildey Sports Day SA. You can power every moment with the Signet Power Bank. As I said, remember that name, Signet Power Bank. Keep your devices powered this season. Visit signet.com. Uh, plenty to talk about. You're saying the EPL kicks off soon. Yeah, it does. It's uh, back this weekend, Wild. So um, I'm a Liverpool fan. Do you have a team at all in the EPL? Um, yeah, I used to... I still like uh, watching Arsenal yep. um, and Man United. Only yes. because they had all the, you know, Ryan Giggs and all the... when Stars, the, you know, we, when Roy Keane, players. Goals, uh, I love Roy. And they won a lot yes, too. So yep, They did um, under Sir Alex Ferguson. So Liverpool takes on Chelsea this weekend. Hey, Ange Postacoglu, it's his first game in the Premier League. He's the new Tottenham manager. They travelled to Brentford. But the first game starts with Burnley taking on the reigning champions, Man City, on Saturday morning. So it's great to see the EPL's back. 
And while we're on soccer, France beat Morocco last night 4-0. Three that. goals in 10 minutes. Unbelievable. Their skill level looked amazing. Oh, now they're, they're so good in the men and women's game. And Morocco were one of the very lowly ranked sides, yep. But yep. which scraped in. But, boy, there's a class difference there. Look, Australia going to have to play their best, aren't they, to, to beat France? They did beat them in a friendly, but yep. this is a vastly different uh, French side this too. This is. That. It's a talented team. It's the Matildas take on France on Saturday at 4.30. You're right. They're going to have to be on their own game to be able to take it up to Just the French. on the EPL, no salary cap there? How does that work? Because no. Because Man City get all the good yeah. players. All the... The big sides get the good players. Yeah, they do. And so there isn't a salary cap there. And that's why the money, I mean, a lot of people would have heard about Killian Mbappe's offer to the Saudi League, which was like $776 million. It's why the money is staggering in that sport and has just absolutely grown exponentially. But, um, yeah, what's interesting is there's no salary cap in that. And what that also means is Man City gets all the players, but they also have, I think they have like 15 physios at that club. So on game day, nearly a player has a physio appointed to them. It's just incredible the manpower and the money that they have in soccer. It is a good comp. I must admit I like the... EPL, uh, looking forward to that too. AFLW, not far away too. Uh, that's, uh, is it early September, the first week of September? Yeah, which is which is good. I mean, the Crows... Crows and Port play? Yeah, looking to um, have another really good season. Port looking to develop and improve on the back of their win last year and it was a developmental year for the power, but um, they got a little bit more experience in. So there's some good games in there, some twilight games at Alberton too, which would be great. So they've got 10 games plus finals. I just got the feeling the girls wanted a bit more. They sort of left in the dark a bit, weren't they? It was only recently we even knew when the game was going to kick off. And it is now standalone. Once the men's finished, it's the women on their own. I know the uh, the ratings went down and the, the attendances and, um, also went down. So... Yep. This is going to be a big year, I think. For I think for to progress, yep. they need to get more people coming through the gates and more people, more viewers too. So they it has gone pretty quickly. Oh, they certainly do because again, we mentioned the the marketing dollar. That's what they need to improve to be able to be sustainable moving forward. The first round is that start of September, first of September. Melbourne take on Collingwood. The Crows take on Port on the second of September. It's good scheduling by the AFL. It's the bye week between finals and the last round. Yeah, they've done that. Was that game at Norwood, uh, the showdown? Yeah, so that, like? that game will be at Norwood Oval, which is um, that they should have effectively close to a sellout there. Yeah, uh, I think, yeah. And then once again, they, you know, if you can let the kids come in free, and they, what I'd do for the Sandfall, I would uh, go to all the schools and say, you guys, are, let's say Woodville West Torrens are playing North Adelaide at Prospect, go to the schools, give as many free passes as you like out. And also, and also a pie voucher and a drink voucher. Yep. Oh, I mean, and the mum and dads would take it, take the kid. Because how else do you get young kids now to support a North Adelaide, Glenelg, Woodville, West Torrens? They're all supporting the Crows or Port Adelaide or another AFL yeah, side. Yeah, and I'll go one step further. I'll, I'll put a bit of money into the sample clubs and the sample players to actually get the players to go out there and um, deliver these tickets and these pies so that there's a connection between the kids and between the players so that the kids want to come out and watch these guys that they've met and had a clinic with potentially. In our day, we used to do a lot of clinics too. Cobram Estate, Premium Australian Extra Virgin Olive Oil. Try it. Absolutely fantastic. Still side bottom. He's out against along the Collingwood veteran foot soreness. Cobram Estate, Australia's most awarded. Extra virgin olive oil grown, harvested and first cold pressed in northern Victoria. And also try mate for a dollar and get double data on selected mobile plans. We're going to a break. As I said, stick around. Jason Ackermanis, he doesn't lack any confidence. 
Can't wait to see the Acker. 325 AFL games. A wonderful player. Daniel Menzel and David Wildey. The award-winning seven-seat Kia Sorento. Kia, official partner of the FIFA Women's World Cup 2023. Australian-owned and supporting communities, the arts and you. Join Lumo Energy today for a brighter essay. David Wildey and Dan Menzel, uh, Jason Ackerman is not far away. Time now for Lost in the Wash thanks to the Toolkit Depot. A gear up for winter at Toolkit Depot with a huge range of outdoor power equipment and winter workwear. Just want to play Dan a couple of grabs. Adam Kingsley, he's been outstanding this year. Now they come and face Port Adelaide on the back of uh, four losses, but here's Adam Kingsley on facing Port Adelaide and the finals chances. Well, if we're good enough, we'll make it, and that and that's our attitude. Uh, tough game, obviously, at Adelaide Oval against a top four team. Um, albeit, you know, they haven't they haven't been at their absolute best the last month but still no doubt very capable as as we've seen across the season he's a great player kings he was a premiership player wasn't he back yeah. in 2004 and did his uh, apprenticeship for a long long while he's also uh, asked about facing port adelaide off its four losses well they've had a few changes but you're right they have been competitive um you know they lost by a couple of goals against geelong at cadenia park which is obviously a difficult ground to play at um you know three weeks ago they probably probably should have beaten collingwood um, you know who we all rate as the, as the best team in the comp. So I think it'd be foolish of us to to think that we're coming against a Port Adelaide team that isn't capable. We're, we're certainly well aware of what they're capable of. We know they're a very good team, albeit with a couple of different players in. Um, you know, still very dangerous on their home turf. He's no nonsense, isn't he? Yeah. I love the we honesty. We know what we're facing. 100%. It's just straight up with where they are at, where Port is at, and what they're going to expect. So, geez, they've, they've had a surprising year, haven't they, the Giants? Well, if they can win their last two or three, they could finish as high as fifth. So, um, <laughs> I I probably didn't have them in my top eight. No, I don't think many would have. They're not a side we sort of talk about a lot. Too. A lot of their better players have gone to other clubs. You see Jeremy Cameron being one of those, but... Um, Toby Green's done a wonderful job, but Adam Kingsley's done a wonderful, wonderful job. Wonderful job. Probably time that Leon Cameron did leave. Once again, get a new coach, and the players say he's a um, uh, breath of fresh air. So yep. well done, Adam. Who's been your Who's been your biggest improver this year? If you look from the start of the, I don't know whether you did a yep you know, ladder. I did do a ladder predictor at the start of the season. A couple of the standout GWS is an obvious one. They're currently in eighth position. I had them close to fifteenth, which I think a lot of people would have. Also the Saints, um, and I think on the back of Ross, not just yeah. them being in seventh position, but the amount of injuries they had at the start of the season, no one would have seen them winning the games they did with the personnel on the park. And here's a left field one for you, Collingwood. Now, I think a lot of people had Collingwood dropping out of the eight after they, remember how they won 10 games last year by Less under, a, goal or under a goal? Everyone thought they're going to regress. There's no way they're going to win as many, and they might even miss the eight. They're on top of the table. It's funny, I had I was one that I had them second this year. So I I, I like what I saw because yep. I like the coach. And they did get a couple of bit bit part players yep. too. The little forward um uh Hill they've got um Mitchell came too, didn't he? Billy Frampton. So they, yeah, they recruited uh, pretty and, well. um McStay. Yeah, so they, McStay's been nice. Uh, my my big improver up until three weeks ago was Port Adelaide. Yeah. I certainly didn't have Port sitting um equal top with Collingwood then. Uh, I had Port Adelaide at the back end of the eight. Seven, eight was yes, my. Yep. And I, I think the Crows have surprised me a little bit too. If they can finish with 12 wins, that's that's remarkable for where they've come from. Um, and they look 
all of a sudden to be a pretty good side. Yeah, it's more so perceiving with the Crows. They're sitting in 11th position, which might be just slightly higher than where people had them, but their performance this year has been far better than 11th at times, and that's probably what surprised. A couple of disappointing ones, maybe. I think that Frio's a standout. They're 15th on the table. They are 8 and 12. It's not pretty. Richmond's the other one. I think people had Richmond contending this year after Hopper and Taranto came, and they thought maybe they might spike back up, but they're in 13th position at the moment. What about Geelong? Where did you have Geelong in the eight? I mean, they, they won the grand final by that much. You yep. couldn't see him possibly in Sydney for that matter too, but uh, missing the eight. And yeah. I, I think they always win games at home, so you always put Geelong in the eight. But they are they're seriously chance to miss the eight. They are, and they take on Collingwood Friday night this week, so it's a massive game. But, yeah, you're right. I think that I had them sliding down outside the top four because I thought eventually it would catch up with them. But, um, yeah, I don't think anyone would have had them missing the eight. Yeah, no, uh, I, the Bulldogs disappoint me, but they have still a chance if they win their three games to finish fifth as well. Yeah, they are. One other that you didn't expect to make the A, but at least win a few more games and be more competitive is West Coast. No one saw oh. this coming again. For them to be worse than what they were last year in the COVID year, they've been bad. That's very ugly, aren't they? Yeah, they are. And, and maybe with a run, late run, maybe Carlton also, I mean, like the, I keep saying fifth, because I think the top four is pretty well done, isn't it? Um, but... Uh, yeah, it's certainly very interesting there. Um, so the biggest disappointment was for you, that if you'd named one? Yeah, Frio. Yeah, Frio, I think they expected to be a lot better place than they are. Who, just quickly, who's your tip for the premiership? Uh, tough one. I like Brisbane. You like Brisbane? Yep. Okay. Well, let's talk now with a former Brisbane star, and he was a star, Dan, premiership player, Brownlow medalist, All-Australian best and fairest, Jason Ackermanis for tyre power. The winter safety sale now on, 25% off equivalent, four for three on selected Falcon tyres. Tyre power, get your free five-minute safety check. I don't think I've seen a better kick left or right than the next guest. Uh, maybe Darren Jarman. We'll talk about Taylor Walker for the big man, but uh, Jason Ackermanis, a wonderful kick, wonderful player. And he joins us now. Acker, how are you? Good evening, gents. Yes, no, it was the best kick, uh, short, medium, or long. But, yeah, there's a few around. I loved, I used to love the Jarman brothers, but Darren, he was the only one that really, uh, he wasn't as quick as me, of course, and he didn't have the length, but, boy, could he kick some goals. He's a bit of, we're, we're talking, um, Acker, about Taylor Walker. For There's not that many big men that can kick 50 either foot. He can do it easily, the big fella. Yeah, he's got immense power, yeah, and he uses it well. I mean, Jonathan Brown was actually quite handy on the left as well. The one guy you'd never think of who was, very good, and you never saw it. it was Tony Lockett because he never, oh, wow. he, he obviously was having set shots. But if you if you saw him around the ground, only the boys who trained with him know how good he was outside of just you know kicking goals. He's obviously the best of all time. But the actual in general play, because you never saw him in general play, he was very, very, very good. They tell me. So how did, how did it come about you being so good on your left side? These days, the guys try and do check sides. They don't even use their left foot now if they're on the wrong side. Yeah, I know. It's, it's, it's a funny one because my first coach was Gordon Casey in Mildura and he said, mate, you've got to learn to kick both feet because if you do, you'll never get in trouble on the footy field, which is my coaches were basically my, my dad's because I didn't have a dad. So I, I just sort of, I took that and I could throw left hand and right hand, but I really practiced hard. And so as I got better, by the time I was 12, I'd kick 50 metres both feet and I just, I had that power. So I just always, it's more about mm. the, the years of practice than anything else. And that's really the the reason I was so good. And not just in the short, medium kicks, but those really long bombs. I'd have to gather to myself every Tuesday and I would kick six or eight goals on the run just outside 50. It was too much fun. 
So, Aka, just on that, you talk about those long kicks. You had great extension in your kicking action. Flexibility, did that play much of a role? Is that important, do you think, when you're kicking both right and left foot? Yeah, I think you've got to get... So, if you look at my running pattern or when I run in my gait, you can actually tell anyone that you know you're familiar with. If you watch them, just their gait, and don't actually, you'll know who it is. And Craig McRae is another guy who I played with who has a, a quite a long, almost overstriding gait tie. I think with that, the flexibility was really odd because I never actually stretched. But just genetically, I was really lucky. So I had, I had two things genetically that were great for me. One was the lack of uh, need to stretch. I just was naturally uh, not hypermobile, just, just flexible. And the other thing was uh, they had this test. I don't know if you ever did it in your day. But they'd have this machine, and, and as the pressure comes onto your feet, uh, onto your leg, it would measure if your abs would actually uh, get stronger and take that particular, you know, load. Anyway, if you didn't do it, you had to go do extra Pilates. Well, I was one of two blokes who could do it. It just did it naturally. So just that strength, just the coordination in the abs, and I got out of doing hours of Pilates. So I was pretty happy. <laughs> That's huge. Um, now, you're up in Brisbane at the moment. You're bullish on the Lions this year. Is the hype up there that potentially they can go a little bit better in this year's final series than the, the previous couple? Yeah, I think the frustration for the Lions fans is easy to see. Obviously, the year we had COVID here, that was just a, a gift. The boys played at home in their beds most of the time, so that was great. But that said... This, and I tell people all the time, this is the best list I've had since I won a premiership with the boys in 2003. It's a very good list. Uh, obviously, Will Ascot's gone down now, but that, that midfield is, uh, if not the best in the comp, and then the forward line is definitely the best in the comp. So it's always been about getting that defensive stuff right. That said, I think, uh, you know, they lost like a point or just very unlucky a couple, you know, with GWS. They've had a, a bunch of finals lost by a point against uh, Bulldogs. Like, it's not the end of the world. They haven't been far off. So, I've no doubt the persistence factor in just going to the well uh, another time, uh, it'll turn. And they'll win those games. So I expect them to be prelim and, and they should. They're good enough to be not only in grand final, but to win it. Yeah, they certainly are. And they take on the Adelaide Crows this weekend up at the Gabba. The Crows have a few key defenders. Unfortunately, they're out for the year now with Butts out of the team. Who who do you think is the most dangerous Brisbane forward that you need to stop to be able to beat Brisbane? Oh, I think Charlie. Charlie's obviously very difficult to match up on. And he, he, makes the, he makes the opposition nervous. They can hear him coming. Like when Joey, Joey's big and he can get out the back, but obviously his work rate is not like, say, Lincoln McCarthy or, or of course, you know, Charlie, the way he, they're tackling pressure in the forward half. So I always think he's their most dangerous because he can get off the chain. And I think he's quite good at setting up goals if he gets up the field. You know, you've got Eric who, who's now working up the ground beautifully. So their efficiency in their forward line has become, I think it's gotten way better this year and the connection between the mids. Yeah in the forward. So that makes them really dangerous. But I would say Charlie. Crows would still love to have Charlie Cameron too. I think I got picked 12 him. I think they might have got Fogarty for, for Cameron in here. Hey, Aka, why are Brisbane so good at home? They have been back in your day and now nine zip this year. Uh, I know it's different weather. You go up there and it's almost like holiday season for us guys down south. But uh, the record is so good at home. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's... We love playing there because we don't actually train there a lot in the pre-season. You only really get on the Gabba during the season. The boys are out at Springfield now, but we used to be at Cooperu. I think there's a couple of things that people don't really think about. One is just that little bit of extra air temperature 
things happen. The ball goes further, you've got to run a bit harder, mm. you're sweating a bit more. But there's a bit more grip on the ball. And the boys, I just think playing at home, it's really strange, I know, but it's so comfortable. The players just seem to be more aggressive just naturally at home and they take the game on. They really back their instincts. And I think that's the key. Uh, we got flogged in a game. I think it was like the round before the first round of the finals. We go back home. We just slaughtered the opposition. And it's just one of those places where Adelaide, the same. I mean, they're fantastic at home. They had been poor away, but they've really picked up mm. and they've had just unlucky, honourable losses. I think they're, look, they're very dangerous. But that said, you know, you can come to the Gabba and it's nearly impossible to win. It's great seeing young kids come through. Nick Dacos has been outstanding. But Ashcroft, before he did the knee, a wonderful year. Looks like he's just born to play footy. And, and Fletcher, I think, is going to be a pretty good one too, Acker. Yeah, I think with Fletcher, I mean, I played with both their, obviously, their fathers and, you know, I had Will was in my arms when he was a baby. It's quite weird. I was walking to the game the other day, did the, you know, the Lions game. He's getting out of the car. And, of course, yeah. he recognised me, giving me a big wave. And it's great to see. And, you know, you're getting old. You know, you get old when that happens. But I think, uh, safe to say that Fletch doesn't take after his dad. He definitely takes after his mum. So, yeah, he's got a, bit, a little bit more speed than the old piggy Fletcher. <laughs> and uh, so, I think... I think that said, you know, those boys are wonderful. It's a shame for Will, but they actually reckon, he, like, his younger brother is really good, uh, probably not as quick, but then the youngest, the girl, is is the best of all of them, apparently. So keep an eye out for her. In, in a few years, you see the Ashcroft name come through. There's bloody magic. It is. Hey, Acker, I find that interesting. You mentioned at the Gabba with the air and the ball moving a little bit quicker. The same thing happened under the roof. It was a much faster game. And if we have a think about Brisbane's form or recent form at Marvel Stadium, uh, they have been very good at Marvel and very good at the Gabba. So do you think that that's directly correlated and maybe potentially why the struggles have been a little bit more at the MCG? Yeah, possibly. The, the G's a bit different because it's wider. I think we always talk as players. I don't know what you used to say, but I, I always thought that at Marvel, the ball, you cannot rest in the forward line because it can come back real quick. But at the MCG, it tends to take three or four seconds longer. It's just really weird. It's a bit wider. The air's a bit different, of course. It's blowy. It's outside. So I, I definitely think that, that that would help. But that said, with Marvel, you know, the ball, it's going to go four or five metres longer. The yeah. only thing that used to frustrate me is the ground. You couldn't get the same grip and of course when you're quick and agile like I am it's it's a lot of fun so you know I miss playing it like the whacker because it used to have that old cooch grass even in the winter it would brown off and I'd love it because you got all the grip they couldn't catch me. Yeah. So Marvel has probably got those couple of things. One, the ball does travel faster and further in the air but of course the ground is sort of the negative on it because you can't really get around and do all the great things you can on the other stadiums. I guess is Jason Ackermanis. Acker, today's footy with all the defensive actions and people just zone off and you know have everyone in half of the ground. I looked looked at a grand final recently when the Crows won ninety seven ninety eight. You guys won early two thousand. The footy was outstanding. What do you make of it today? Are you still a are you one that has to sit down and watch every game, or do you think the footy's changed for the for the better or for the worse? Oh, it's definitely changed. I always think it's better because the player's standard of skill is getting better. So, you know, obviously me being really skillful, that was the one thing. There's probably only a couple of blokes that could, you know, across the whole competition that could really do what I could do. But now you're seeing many more in each team who's got the skills, both left and right foot. And I think 
I think the way that the game is played, like people go, you know, they look at a game, go, oh, how'd you miss that? Or that's soft, yada, yada. And I say, mate, if you get hit by one of those boys at that pace, just those tackles, mm. forgetting that it's the not sling soft. tackle and the dump tackle, it, it hurts. And it's hard. And it, they are bigger. Like the average height when I played was 189 in my team. It's probably near, you know, 193. So they're getting bigger and the average weight's getting bigger. So it, it is a wonderful product to watch. It's a brilliant game. So we'll see the girls come on the next 10 years or so. But the boys' game and, and you know, goal kicking is the only thing that never changes. They're still terrible at it. But everything else, like the, the mm. actual spectacle of it and the way that they've done with the stand rule and all that kind of stuff, the only rules I want to change is, you know, the guys who spoil it out of bounds? I hate Deliberately. that. Deliberately. That, deli- that should be delivered. Yeah. You know, they never yeah. call that one. And the other one is, I reckon Kevin Sheedy had a brilliant idea when he said, take away all the score reviews. If it skims the post and goes in, it's a goal like soccer. If it comes back in, it's still in play, play on. And that would make it so much easier. Other yeah, than the that. last touch, the, the last touch when it goes out, because we're the only game in the world, really, that doesn't have it, it's pretty, pretty good. I like where it's at. And when you think about the padding's about a foot wide at the bottom, if it, I reckon if it goes on the inside of the goalpost for the padding, that is a goal. I'm happy to go with you there, Acker. Yeah, play on. All, all you need to do, it doesn't matter, like if you're kicking a ricochet off someone's head, ah, it's a goal. Too bad, just like soccer. I lo- would love that. Because then you won't need all this stop review, all this crap. You know, it'd be awesome. Yeah, we'll speed the game up. Um, You you spoke about the skill level of the players nowadays. I want to know your opinion here, Aka, on Nick Dacos. Have you seen anyone come in and dominate so seamlessly at the start of their career? There's been a few. Probably Chris Judd and a few others. Uh, I took a few more years. I think Fossey was a star early. But I think with the skill and the way... I, I obviously played against his dad, and he's a wonderful player. I've done many shows with him, but he's got that nice little back arch, which keeps him balanced, and he's really difficult to sort of... And he's got those quick three or four steps, and he's quick. He's difficult, I should say, to tackle the way he's balanced. So, yeah, just a beautiful player. It's amazing how genes work, and but he's worked hard, and I have no doubt, obviously, this, this injury is a, it's a shame. It might cost him a brown load, but he'll be back, and he'll be better than yeah. ever. But, yeah, I think the only thing I was disappointed in watching him the last sort of month is when he does get heavily tagged and having been tagged since I was little and I still get tagged in masses when I roll around at 46. Uh, the one thing you do need if you can't, you know, he's not big enough to stand up for himself just yet all game, but he does need his teammates. And I think Craig McRae would be pretty disappointed that his teammates weren't as, as they should be a little bit more protective. So who do you think he can still hold on? And who do you think wins, wins the Brownlow medal from here? Well, I reckon the Bont's going to win it. I think Petrarca and Bont might be a draw, could be close. But if Nick Dacos, Petrarca, and of course the Bont aren't the top three, I mean, I'll eat my hat. They're just, they're just having great seasons. There might be a couple I might have missed, but I watch a lot of games. And, uh, you know, I, I'm pretty sure those three should be there yeah. no matter what. There's some, there's some quality players that may sneak under. Uh, the guard, but you know, so many good players are playing in teams that aren't winning too, so that hurts. And I think those boys have been winning enough, and they're in a good team. But you know, blocking in, you just keep tracking up the votes. You just never know. He does, and so as a previous winner, you're going to be there on Brownlow night this year. Well, it's funny. <laughs> I shouldn't laugh at this, but for the first time ever, so I have three daughters, but the eldest one has turned 18. So she turned 18 in February, and for about five years, she's been like. Dad, can I go to Brownlow? I'm like, sweetie, you can't. It's an adult-only you know, venue because you could drink, yada, yada. You can't go. Yep. So, of course, yesterday, I think I've got four photos of dresses she wants to wear. I mean, sweetie, she's just sending me broke. <laughs> but she's going, so I will be there. I just said, because uh, we, 
she does babysitting for the blacks and our two girls, Evie, who's, who's five, and my youngest daughter are in the same class at school. So the blacks will be there, Catherine will be there, and, and just make it nice and calm. So that's the reason we're going, and yes, I will be there. You mentioned Michael Voss earlier, Aka. I mean, six, eight weeks ago, they, they wanted his, well, calling for his head, but great to see the Vossi's got him back on track, and Carlton right now perhaps the, the form team in the comp. They are, yeah, they're uh, probably Melbourne, Port were, you know, just shows you how it changes. But, you know, credit to Vossi, he's been around, and that's the thing about what I say about, I mean, Vossi's one of my great mates. And I, he, didn't, he was upset when I was critical of him for taking the Lions job, but I think now he can see the value in doing the hard yards, getting your credit up, knowing what to do when it goes bad. Goes out, has a couple of beers around a campfire, has a bit of an honest chat, they do a nudie run, and what do you know? Boys enjoying the footy again, playing for each other, and they're winning. And it's just, it's amazing those little things that can work. Kevin Sheedy used to do it. It's, it, it. It never fails the human test of when you just bond with your teammates, how it can change everything. So, look, they'll, they'll play finals. How many more wins they'll get, who knows, but they are on fire. So, thoughts then? Do the Power Boys need that? They've had four losses in a row. Is there some concerns at Alberton, do you think? Well, you look at their losses, they're not that bad. It's not throw the baby out of the bathwater kind of situation. I just think there's a little bit of, I mean, look at, you know, the Pies game. They've just been pretty stiff just in the in the last little bits of games here and there. But that said, I think they're probably more worried about, you know, their personnel and where they're at. See, a couple of weeks ago, and I think Port do the same, and I would every finals team does this, have a really hard week or two or three of training, and they come out on the weekend, you're like, what's wrong with this team? The Lions got absolutely belted by the Suns and, of course, went over and backed off the training and went over to Fremantle and beat them. So you just never know where they're at, and sometimes the losses seem to be like, oh, what's going on? But, you know, they'll come good. They're too good a team to keep losing, that's for sure. Can they win it without a ruckman? Scott Lye sets out for another month, and the the backup boys just don't cut it. And Charlie Dixon's got sore foot, sore knee, sore ankle. Uh, the book ends the the full backs out injured for a month. Uh, do you need a ruckman, Acker? I reckon you probably do. Ruckman, the good ruckman, you know, you two English Gorney and these type of Gorney, like they get around the ground and they mark the ball. It's not just in that you can dominate. Uh, any ruckman can dominate, dominate like they we know they can, but it doesn't actually matter because the guys at ground level get first use. But it's around the ground. It's all that other stuff you're not seeing, you know, running their opponent into spots, getting back, filling holes, taking marks, just those long pressured kicks or unpressured kicks, I should say, to contest. Like, they're very important. And that's why if you have a ruckman and you need a ruckman, he still needs to do those things. And that's what they're missing. There's no doubt. Yeah. Before you leave us, you're in the real estate, Ackermanus Properties. Is that right? That is correct, yeah. I've got, uh, been in it sort of, this is my third year. So I was started yep. at Ray White and then went out my own after four months. So I've got a big rent roll, about 100, and then we're just selling. And the market's been tight. You know it's been crazy up here. So it keeps us busy. Uh, Coins the world's biggest crypto is coming out next month. So that, that keeps me busy. And I'm actually going to Broken Hill this weekend to do a speaking engagement. See. So we'll see how that goes. And I, I did tech, see... I I did see you do a handstand after every sale. So you're doing plenty of handstands? Yeah, I'm an auctioneer as well. So when we do the auctions uh, and it's <laughs> successful, I always give them a handstand. But anyway, they, yeah. we have some fun. It's, it's always good. A good handstand does does stand the test of time. But I'll get a bit old to keep doing them. But anyway, I'll keep trying. Now, as you leave, you said Bont probably for the medal. Who wins the premiership? 
I actually, look, I think I, I, my heart's always Brisbane and they're good enough. I hope they do. I just have a sneaking suspicion that uh, Melbourne are going to step it up. Ooh, I just think I, I just think Melbourne are going to come good. I think they've got last year and everything else, they dominated the year. I, I just There's something about that group. I think they've got players coming back. They've got depth. They can turn yeah. it on. I just I, there's there's another gear or two in them, and I just don't yeah. know if the other teams have those gears. Clayton, I'll look back too. Thanks for the chat, Acker. Really enjoyed it. Anytime, fellas. Thanks for having me on. Good man, Jason Ackerman. Is 325 games, 45th in the games all all time record holder. He, I reckon, I was lucky enough to see Acker play twice a year throughout his career. We, yep. uh, whether it be Port Adelaide or the Crow, unbelievable on his day, Dan. Unbelievable and. Uh, and he backs himself in. As you can tell, he's got a lot of confidence. Still got a lot of self-confidence, but um, a wonderful player. Uh, the FIFA Women's World Cup has arrived in Adelaide. Tantania, visit fifa.com slash tickets. Uh, tomorrow on the show, we've got Dean Brogan talking about the power and the Giants and also Adelaide, Brisbane. Port Adelaide media manager, Daniel Norton. What's going on with their team? Everyone's sick. Mm, let's, hope bug. Let's, let's hope he's not sick and he's he can okay. join us tomorrow. Well, actually, he said he had been. Funny you say that. I spoke to him today. He had been sick. So oh, no. uh, hopefully Daniel's better tomorrow. <laughs> uh, Dan, have a great night and we'll do it all again. We've got the teams tomorrow. It's always looking forward to Thursday teams and um, we'll try and find your winner. See you tomorrow. See you tomorrow, guys.